0: wherever podcasts are available.
1: Hi, I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx. And you're listening to Muses.
2: Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 123 of Muses. We are the podcast that brings you the stories of the legendary rock wives, girlfriends, groupies, and muses of rock and roll. We have spoken with incredible women who have been married to members of the Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, and have been in the intimate inner circle of bands like Led Zeppelin and even the Beatles. Today, we bring you our chat with Ginger Gilmore, author of Memoirs of the Bright Side of the Moon. We read Ginger's book and discussed it back in episode 56, and since then, we have been wanting to speak with her personally. Today is the day. Ginger met David Gilmore of Pink Void in 1971. They were married from 1975 until 1990 and have four children together. But like all of the incredible women we speak with, Ginger is multifaceted. Not only is she an author, but she is a sculptor, light worker, mentor, and will be hosting creativity classes where creativity touches the heart and nourishes the spirit. She is a true artist. If you're one of the lucky few, and you have to be living in England, by the way, to take classes with Ginger, you may be doing painting or sculpture, and you'll be able to be in the presence of this really peaceful and spiritual being while tapping into your own divine self. Being on a spiritual quest myself, I really enjoyed listening to what Ginger had to tell us about her rock and roll path that led to finding peace and beauty in her life. I think this conversation is one unlike any other we've had before. We will certainly be speaking to Ginger again, and she is encouraging listeners to reach out to her should you have any questions. One way of doing this is by sending her an email, inquiries at gingerart.net, and we'll link that in the show notes. And in the meantime, you can find Ginger on her website, www.gingerart.net, and we highly recommend that you pick up a copy of her book, Memoirs of the Bright Side of the Moon. Enjoy the show. So much, Ginger Gilmore, welcome to Muses. Thank you.
3: I look forward to it.
2: It is an honor to be speaking with you today. This has been a dream of ours ever since we read your memoir, Memoirs of the Bright Side of the Moon. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. thank
1: you. How is it today in England? How are you doing this morning? Well, um, it's not morning there anymore.
3: It's morning here. It's um, four o'clock, but um, we've had some really tough, windy, tornado-like hurricane weather, which is unusual for here over the weekend. Wow. So so the family came over, the kids and granddaughter, and we ate marshmallows by the fireplace and watched movies because they said, don't go out. That's like the best way to deal with that. Yeah, we... We really had a good time. Um, And then today was sunny. It's starting to get overcast again. And the weather forecast is that this storm's coming back, a heavier dose of it on the weekend. And then it seems California's got heavy-duty winds. It's, um, you know, there's no such thing as climate change, is there? Yeah.
1: Yeah, this weekend here, it's supposed to feel like minus 25 Doesn't, doesn't stop my
2: cat from wanting the patio door open though. (laughs) 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 Looks at me with those eyes. Can I have the screen? I'm like, like, okay, you're so cute. No,
3: I love animals. Do you have any pets? Not at the moment because I know that I'll be traveling and lecturing on very special matters of heart and spirit and creativity. So I'm renting a place right now, which is like a gallery and a studio and a classroom and my home. And it's quite incredible to be amongst all of my artwork instead of having to go out to a studio so that there the paintings, the sculptures, everything is just everywhere. And it's really special. It's like I've, um, come out and admit it to the world and even to myself what I'm about creatively because um for years it wasn't so easy you know like in even though I'm a sixties kid and peace love and all that um it hasn't been easy to be um especially in rock and roll at that time I mean it's now everyone's got a crystal and they eat alternatively and they're conscious more and stuff but When I first um, came to that discovery of myself, my awakening, it wasn't like that then. It's so easy. Even with the 60s and stuff, it's like it had gone underground. But there's uh, there's a new newness coming now of greater value. My art teacher, Cecil Collins, in life drawing, that was one of the wise teachers I was raised to know, said that, how can I put this? A Paradise 3-1 is of greater value.
2: That is... I feel that. And I have been really enjoying watching your online presence because I get to see some of the art that you do share. And I can only imagine the feeling of spirit and beauty that one must feel when they are among all of the things that you have created. What What's interesting,
3: what has occurred, because... I feel like God has been sort of moving me along. I think He does everybody and if you respond to it then you awaken to the something that is so special in every one of us. And the world needs us to let that come through. And unfortunately it's it's manipulating people to be afraid and ignorant to the divine that's in the sacredness, the happiness, the true goodness, the, the true love of that we all carry. So my journey has been one of discovering that at first um, it was that I, we came back from a tour during which time it was in Southern and the Northern part of um, the States on this tour. It was the animals tour, I think. Yeah. And both David and I decided that we weren't doing the middle bit. We'd go to Hawaii for the three weeks off. And we up to then used to eat two pounds of lamb at dinner. But we would have had meat and other things, potatoes and stuff during lunch and breakfast. You'd have bacon and things and it was and some wine and and stuff. And when we got to Hawaii, it was like the Aloha spirit really touches you, at least it did me and David. And we almost moved there because it was it was like Aloha really is beautiful. They really mean it. Even in the airports. It, it it was an energy that really touched us and we decided to not take recreational enhancement drugs, so we never really did much anyway. But um we cut that out. We cut meat out. We went I particularly went vegetarian. Going on tour was an interesting new experience because I wasn't in the lavender tree with everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> And um, the parties were strange. It was like the, mankind was missing a glow. Mm. And for me, the Floyd really had a glow. They, there was something there that, and still the music opens that doorway. And I think it, they were probably the only group in some ways I could have been around with the nature of what I was that I didn't know I was. I just loved Mm -hmm. When I got back, when we got back from the northern part of the tour, I suddenly woke up not being able to move pain from the waist down. I had heard of a doctor, an Ayurvedic homeopathic doctor from India, that Snowy White, the second guitarist's Mm -hmm. wife, had been cured of a feminine situation and I thought I just said, David, we need to get a hold of this Dr. Sharma. I was in pain. It was like I was desperate that I needed um, this person to, to help me. And as it turned out, Dave found him, and they, he put me in their naturopathic hospital, Dave Trapevalis. And um, it just turned. He put me on a fast of grapefruits and chamomile tea. No telephones. No communication with anyone for at least a week, and it rained. Beautiful place in the country, Bloodshot Manor, and I watched the rain. I really think the rain healed me, but what it was, I didn't know, and most of us didn't know that fasting wasn't like a fast except I stopped all drugs, I stopped all alcohol, and my body was gone into crazy detox. Oh wow yeah. Oh, wow yeah. And that was the liver and the kidneys and the gallbladder and just everything going, ah, this is too much to download. But he got me through it and he was he's passed on now and his son takes care of us. But it he was around until I had Matthew, our fourth fourth baby. So my kidneys and things had to um repair. He, he just carried me through medically, and I am be very grateful to him.
2: Wow, what a way to begin. How are you feeling these days in terms of your health and your wellness and your vitality? Are you feeling good?
3: We're um, constantly in a cycle of, as you get older, you have new things your body has to get used to, the the environment new things are coming in new understandings even as you refine spiritually the actual energetic makeup of your cellular tissues is got a certain quality so that when you start to assimilate and refine and get closer to the divine aspect of what you are those things have to change too so you're changing metaphysically into your physical body. And um, not many people you know, know that certain things you might go through are a direct result of that, or the contrary, that if you start neglecting yourself, then um, energetically you'll start t- changing the vibration of your physical makeup, your emotional makeup, your mental makeup. It's really... I I want to let the highest come through me so I can help humanity create artwork that changes the imagery that people see, create doorways so they remember that it wakens you up gently or directly, what art you are. Look at what music you listen to, what you think, it all affects us. So I'm I've I'm on a mission to create <laughs> Images that remind us it's not like you can look at it and say, oh, that's a Ginger Gilmore. But really, it's it's you, because what I've been trained through various masters and visionary art teachers is how do you open that doorway so that when people see it, they're actually looking at themselves. They're seeing the creative side of the beauty that they are. That's my mission, and it does. It is working. because every one of us has a paradise inside.
2: Wow, I like that. Every one of us has a paradise inside. I was. I told you before we started recording that I have been on my own health and spiritual journey, and in July of last year, I stopped teaching in an elementary school i had been an elementary school teacher for 7 years and it really took a toll on my adrenal system and my nervous system and i was constantly tired and exhausted but since then i've really been recovering mind body and spirit and one thing i've been doing lately that i've been really loving really natural way to kind of get everything moving has been lymphatic drainage Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. massage and uh, just little things like that every day. And it's wild how the more I feel like I'm nourishing my physical body, the more my energetic and emotional gets nourished. And then it's just a cycle of like happiness and m- more able to be in touch with divinity. Yep.
3: Yep. <laughs> that was one one stage that I was very, very much into at the time. There di- you just go on to different levels of all of this. The important thing is the reason, the intent, and that's what will bring um, what you need to evolve.
2: Amazing. Well, I love how we just dove <laughs> right in there with all of uh, all of these things that I couldn't wait to chat with you about. Let's chat a little bit about your memoir and your upbringing and a few of the things that brought you to where you are now.
3: Yeah, Sure. So what it- do you want to ask me? Mm-hmm.
1: All right. I will ask away then. So yeah, your memoir, Bright Side of the Moon is not only a story about meeting, marrying and sharing a life with your ex-husband, David Gilmore, but as you write it, it is a journey to reach far into that special, you know, being of being human and divine. What inspired you to write this book? And did you enjoy looking back on these parts of your
3: life? Well, I had been in America with my mom, who was in her final stages, and the family and everything. And I would go into my bedroom and meditate, which I did anyway, anywhere. But that I went into that bedroom because it was the only place because I was on call helping people emotionally and everything. And Christ came to the bottom of my bed as a vision and spoke to me. And I was like, I've read in books about this happening, but it never has happened to me before. So there it was. And he says to me, Ginger, I've come with a message from God. And he said, life has been and will be for a little while longer, rather intense. But all of you will be happy, happier than you've ever been when this stage is over. So I went, "Whoa." Okay, that made me feel better, even though, I I mean, it was an intense emotional time. Plus, on top of that was David and I separating. So I came back to England to my little flatette and um, start to meditate again. And he comes again and he says, God wants you to start reading the Bible, which though I was Catholic, I never Really read the Bible. I was a bit of a revolutionary because I thought the institution wasn't really helping humanity like Christ would. So, anyway, I started doing that. And then he came again and he said, You have to go to church again, where I'd been meditating and going to Buddhist monasteries and Sufi camps and just the whole, a lot of spectrum of difference of belief systems. And they all seemed fine. And this seemed fine. Okay, I'll check it out. I found the most wonderful little chapel nearby here with the most incredible choir. And because I was very close to John Tavener, who did the um, music for Lady Di's funeral, I was really used to that level of vibration in music. And they would sing his songs every once in a while. And their vibration, a sacred sound, was incredible. Then... To answer your question, he came a fourth time and said, God wants you to write your journey of love. Wow. And I thought, okay. <laughs> I'll think about that. And it's it took me a couple of years to listen to and act on that request. And what I found it was really easy um until some of the middle chapters, which took me a bit of time to face and try to make a spiritual purpose for why we went through that in my writing. And it was incredible. I I really loved it. But what I discovered the most is that I had a separate video of that time, so exact, going on in my subconscious all the time. And I realized why, because I had to tell this story so that my journey is coming from the dream of Prince Charming and the love and the kids and the goats and the birds and the flowers and the traveling and the candles and 22 kittens and, you know, that was making jams and baking bread. It was going to Greek islands. In the sun, it was just everything happened. With beautiful music, I was supposed to be a lead actress in a film, sort of like an Easy Rider film, and I met David, and three days later, I left, he asked me to come, and I left. Yeah. I left my shops, I left my boyfriend at the time that was really sort of a companion, and I went. To England, I'd always dreamt of going to England. And so the story begins like that because it's really a journey to discover the real love that exists in us. And by the time I was asked to write the book, I um, had gone into that journey and um, had to weather everything that happened as my body adjusted, as my emotions adjusted, as my mind adjusted. To then my artwork expanded and evolved and until now.
2: Wow. I'd, I'm listening to all of this and I feel like there's so many little places I could take this and so many places to go. I'm gonna try and stay focused. Um, <laughs> though man, that is wonderful. In your book, you wrote, "I was an ordinary girl with dreams and visions of finding adventure not knowing how big an adventure I was about to experience. Let's, yep. let's talk about that ordinary girl. What would you like to share about yourself as a child and your upbringing and maybe what role music played growing up? Let's me think. Okay.
3: We lived in Philadelphia. It was myself and my sister, my mom and my dad. And one day I was playing outside on the street, as one did in those days. And the fire hydrant would be turned on so we could all swim during the summer in the street. I doubt if they do that anymore. And I had my toys out there, and my sister was younger than me. And mom came home and said, we're going to pack up. We're going to go see your aunt, her sister, in Connecticut. And don't tell your girlfriend that we're leaving. So I I was about five, and this very innocent young girl, from what my mom says, I was and still am, I hope, mm. um, innocent wisdom. Anyway, um, we get on a train. Mom had some suitcases, and the next thing you know, the train stops, and my father gets on the train. He happened to come home early from work for some reason, asked my girlfriend, who I had said,
0: Shh, I'm going
3: to see my mom. Don't tell me. So she tells my father, who then gets on the train, and he, my sister, about three, was on my mom's lap, and he grabs her and grabs my arm and is pulling me away and got us off the train. So he hides us in the country in New Jersey with my grandparents, who my nana and was, I mean, I'm sure the reason why I make jams and baked bread and stuff is because of her.
2: She was, yeah.
3: She is incredible, and they hid us away for a couple of years until my mom got enough money working in a factory on an assembly line to hire a lawyer, investigator, to find out where we were. And one day, this little blue car drove up this long driveway through the pine forest and the blueberries and things, and we were playing out in the garden. And my, half, my aunt on my father's side, two sons, lived with us too. So there was four of us children. And it was an amazing couple of years. Uh, Christmas was like two huge walls of presents, just insane. And they would go into Hawk every year. To um, pay off the Christmas or to make the Christmas, so and apple pies and ribble cake and stuff we make every week in the kitchen. And so suddenly this man comes up and he pretends he's a full of rush man. And my mother, who had been laying on the back seat, noticing that it was us, got out and came running up. And and uh, my grandmother just went white as a sheet and started telling us to get inside and. I didn't listen. I just went up because she was a beautiful woman. And I just said, hi, who are you? And she says, I'm your mother. Wow. And I went, oh, really? Um, would you like to come in and see my, my bedroom? And mm-hmm. Nana just she was a very big lady. And she almost put out her apron and dress as though she was mother duck hiding her little fledglings and told us to um, go inside, whereupon my mother grabs my arm, she grabs my other arm, and I'm in this 2 and 8 pulling again. And her, the man was actually her lawyer and said, listen, Jen, we, we know where they are now, and we'll um, go to court.
0: You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts.
3: Mm-hmm. And they went to court, and they won. I was not a happy budgie, because by then I was a Attached to my father and my nana and subconsciously I had forgot that I had a mother yeah so over the years I've had to work through that bit of amnesia or that tendency that when everything in life is really intense I will go into amnesia about it just forget that it happened
1: this week's episode is brought to you by best fiends While Best Fiends has challenging puzzles, it's a casual game that anyone can play but made for adults. I'm currently at level 32. I really enjoy playing it in transit on my way to work or sometimes just relaxing on the couch. The visual design is gorgeous and vibrant, the characters are super cute, and the more you play, the more you can collect. You'll need those characters to use strategically when you begin leveling up. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it'll never get old. It does not require the internet to play, which makes it perfect for my subway rides and travels. You really can play anywhere. It's also really awesome to know that there will always be new content and more fun. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
2: Hmm. So did you do a lot of work in terms of... Unlocking the subconscious through hypnosis or anything with rewiring like your neural pathways? How did you tap back into that part of yourself to begin to heal? It's
3: still going on. There are many levels. Um, it's it's hard to describe. I was graced to meet um, Bernard Engel, top Jungian in, in um, New York City. But up to then, it was not so psychological it was like it started first with healing my body i went through a cycle of becoming very nutritious conscious and i just discovered in unpacking my books the other day because i'm in a new place the um the folder that had all all the diet sheets of what the kids had to have down to colors make sure you when you cook the vegetables they have to have steamed vegetables and you have to watch the color intensity because as it gets to the height of just about ready the colors are really intense orange or green and the moment it starts going over and overcooked then you're losing nutrition and so i i was training all of the nannies that we started having about this and it's amazing to read it really incredible so it started with this nutritional awareness and Dr. Shama Elder put me on all kinds of ways of eating throughout the years. As I had knew, when I had Claire pregnant, when they were doing the wall, we were in France. They were recording there and I was pregnant with Claire and I Alice was the first child. And then there was Claire and David and the Floyd had to go on a tax exile. So that's why they started to record the wall in france Mm. and so we all packed up and went off on this adventure and we had a swimming pool and i was lying on the lilo the rock and there were a lot of wasps because they come to pools in the summer for water and i got stung twice and it created a clot into which blocked my exit valve of my kidney that was the next physical adventure that dr shama helped me through and he said to david get the french paramedics in and find out what they say about what's happening with her so um they said that my kidney needed to remove be removed and the baby otherwise i wouldn't live so shama said okay get her on a plane give her a a shot of champagne and a shot of cognac (laughs) And get her on the plane. I, did, I didn't drink by that point, so I was really easy. <laughs> and picks, Shama picks me up, and he had two brownstones in the middle of um, London, and one upstairs was for patients. And so I stayed there, and he got me off the critical list. I got to keep my baby. And in the end, he didn't charge us except for the homeopathic medicines because he said, my trust in him gave him so much more. And also, it also gave him an understanding about these matters from a medical point of view. So, that was um, all part of the first cycle of, of dealing with my body and healing it. And then the emotional side started when I was graced to meet Werner an Engel Jungian, by, because I was with a Sufi teacher, Mrs. Tweedy, at the time. And she was writing her memoirs and said, "Ginger, because you'll be in New York City with the band, your husband, would you take my copy of my book to Vernon Engel, and I will um, so he could write the forward?" So I said, "Sure, I'll do that. Um, Rock and roll! I'm (laughs) going meet the top union in New York City." (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he lived in a, a flat in the same area as what John Lennon's flat was. So it's they're amazing flats. They're really long corridors with lots of room off the side and everything. And this his maid answered the door and said, Please sit down there. And the walls all had these certificates and books. Cases full of books and everything I was well into books Then, so I'm looking at all his books. when he I am invited into his room, which was like something out of bell book and candle, Aspidistra's, papers, lots of desks, <laughs> lace curtains. Hayes is a very gentle looking German man, man with a monocle hello ginger.
1: <laughs>
3: please please come in and sit down. So we're talking away. I give him the manuscript and everything. And he then says, "Um, when you were sitting outside in my corridor, did you notice my certificates? And I said, well, honestly, I noticed your book titles. (laughs) And he says, well, I have a certificate saying that I'm a certified marriage consultant. And I said, well, that's terrific. And he says, and if you ever need me, call me. And I said, well, I hope I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then he he said, the other thing I want to ask you is that I'm really curious about this rock and roll music and how it affects the psyche of, of the listener. Do you think you know anyone that could get me into one of these concerts? She's <laughs> <laughs> the right person. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, there might be. Yeah, there might be. When can you come? And he said, um, Thursday's good. I said, fine. I'll send a car for you. And we did. And they were playing Madison Square Garden. He came in. He wanted to come early. So different to all the stars and everything that were being taken around to see the mixers and all that. He was one of the first more psychological, spiritual, orientated people I started to bring to the concerts. So um, I asked him if he wanted earplugs. And he said, No, I want to experience this totally so I can understand, so I can help people. Afterwards, we get backstage. And he says, um, you might not agree with me, Ginger, but what I feel you and I seek, and many others, in meditation. Your husband creates harmony out of presenting the chaos of life hmm. to us, and he, they beautiful. They touch that place that where the greatness, the beauty. I'm adding words here. The beauty exists of our divine nature and the sacredness of life. Hmm. That's the beauty that they capture. And you ascend through the chaos that they represent into capturing something that's really special in life. So it all started in and the psychological aspects, the emotional aspects um, at that point. And then I was got home and things started going really bit pear shaped. And I said um, every week I was being analysed on the phone with him in New York and finally at one point he says Ginger I want to tell you something you're a very fragile little sprout Mm -hmm. emerging and you're not breaking down you're breaking through and in order for us to make sure that you make it through this phase I want you to call my good friend Gerhard Adler in London and tell him that Werner Engel said that you should um Come and see him. And I was scared to death because it quite shy. And Gerhard Adler was like one of the top Jungians that Jung took through training. Not everyone got to see him, and there it is. So I finally got the courage together and I called him and he answers. And it was like 7:30 in the morning. Gerhard Adler here. <laughs> and I said, Um, Dr. Adler Bruno Engel suggested that I should come and see him. He did, did he? <laughs> so, okay. And he, so he start, he let me see him. And, it, again, it was always 7.30 in the morning. So got to learn to how to get up. But by then you're used to it because you have kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then it, at the next phase was more of the mental plane because there are these three planes before you touch your soul of your personality, and all of them have to be um, refined and brought to a point of, um, how can I say that? They have to be a tool. They have to want to serve. So, therefore, my body serves, my emotions serve, my mind serves, and my the sole purpose of bringing heaven to earth. We all have that. And so my whole journey is the transformation, the alignment, the dedication, the commitment, the affirmations that this is my reality now. I know it exists. Beauty is goodness, divinity, sacredness is my reality, more so than what's on CNN. We have to deal with it, but it's from a different point of view of um, motivation and experience
2: i really feel that i'm finding that at this point in my life i'm getting so much closer or getting back to or circling back to or rediscovering my true authentic self soul connection to god and divine and even though it we are in one of the most chaotic times as soon as you turn on the news or you open up your internet browser on the other hand i feel more peaceful and at home than I ever have in my life. And you're right. It starts with that one level and you go deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned Adler. I was actually accepted into Adler University in Vancouver for a master's degree in counseling psychology. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I ended up turning it down. It wasn't for me. I've uh I'm I'm moving on with some different pursuits. But uh that's interesting. Adler University and hey, you were talking to the man yourself.
3: Yep. There was one what was it? It was in January. It was pouring with rain, as I said, seven thirty in the morning, and I went to the door. It was in North London and Mrs. Adler answered the door and she had a tear in her eye and she said, um, Ginger Gerhard passed over in the night, and we talked about who of his, they didn't say patients' clients, that I should take over. And you were one of them, if you want to do that. And um, I will um, let you know, because we have a lot of funeral things to do and family to adjust, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're up for that, I will let you know in the next few weeks when you can come. So I started seeing her, and um, she worked more with individuation and things. And he always worked downstairs in a room, and she worked upstairs. And um, at one point I said to Mrs. Adler, there's something inside me that controls me without me knowing how to touch it. I've done all this other work discovering things, but this one I, I can't get to. So she said, Well, there's um, a man coming to talk to the Jungian Association soon, Rossi, Dr. Rossi. And he has a type of hypnotherapy that might help you discover something more in your subconscious that controls you. So we arranged for me to come. It was on a Saturday. By that point, David was seeing the husband of her daughter and I. We're all under Jungian advice, and so I'm sitting there and Dr. Rossi starts there was a whole explanation everything beforehand, but he, he would talk me into certain imagery it's like you walk through a cloud and then suddenly this picture opens up and what was coming was me when I was crawling along the streets huge, huge wheels from the cars and people's legs and stuff and me feeling lost and um the next thing you know this man picks me up and takes me up into this room and we're going in and out of this fog because obviously i was starting to get worried and nervous and every time that would happen he would talk me out of it back into calm and then we'd start again if i wanted to and i said yes so we get up there and the man started to kiss me, and I'm panicking, I'm crying. He drops me, kicks me in the stomach, runs out the room of the apartment, and leaves the door open, and the woman finds me, and takes me to the police station. And what's really interesting is that most of my early childhood, there was always a story on my father's side in Philadelphia when they found me in a police station on the other side of Philly. Wow. And my mom never knew, and it was this had happened. And what's interesting, every time anyone I would feel someone was angry at me, I'd get a kick in my stomach. Yeah. So after discovering this, I was released from that um, habit. And it's fascinating how. As you go on, when you start to think that everything that happens to you is actually an opportunity either to release something or to discover some quality you need to start being focused on. So every time some illness, I moved a sculpture once, really was in back pain, terrible back pain, but the back pain, was the same pain as something in my subconscious in my earlier life that I had put away because I didn't know how to deal with that pain. Yeah. And when now it's like an opportunity to um, let go, discover, you know, I'm not frightened because I know the truth of what I am and what life is, is this wonderful glory that I'm working towards. And it might be really painful, you know, it, um, to look at it, But I've been listening to Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you know of him. Yep. But he he has a lot of YouTubes and everything. And recently, because I just had a major operation that I'm just four months ago on removing my gallbladder, which had a lot of stones in there. And I firmly believe it was the crystallization of things that were so upsetting at the time that I couldn't face the emotion so it was put away so i could deal with the kids as a single woman and here it was i i signed up for conscious manifestations because i knew i was going to have eight weeks in bed and i knew that anytime something happens i want to focus on my inner process if i have a flu i focus on the inner process of what i have to do to heal from that and how i benefit from it and so i knew this was going to really served me in a good way so i signed up with that and i think on the fourth module he was talking about when you go deeper and deeper you need to emotions will come out that you would put away that and this would help you in everyday life from that point onwards if you learn to focus on the emotion immediately from an observer point of view so that you're not stashing it away hopefully I'm at the stage where I have enough tools to where I could face it, I thought. And suddenly all this pain started to come, and I was weeping. And I thought, okay, thank you, gallbladder. You you took this on for years, and I want to be released from it. And the freedom, it took two days of really going through it, but also I had to confide into my homeopath because he was the only one. It was really powerful and he had followed us through everything and he knew what it was he knows spiritually he knows how to help with alternative naturopathy and homeopathy and things and he knew my my whole me Mm -hmm. and he gave me a few things and i feel like i'm flying
2: it's like our bodies hold on to like the body's keeping the score, holding on to our subconscious wounds. And then when you go back in and you get into, I don't know if it's the alpha or like beta state in the subconscious mind and a kind of hypnosis setting, then you can begin to release from these things. I'm noticing when a lot of, and I'm trying to do this work myself again, like with modules similar to what you were doing, doing them every day, about half an hour, 45 minutes a day. And I'm noticing that when my friends are maybe repeating certain patterns or the same things are coming up for them, I want to kind of ask, yes, and have you looked into your inner child work? Have you started to do the deep healing and process that begins with that because i think once you get into that space of real discomfort and hurt and pain and you face it and you have the tools and the right teachers or the modules to work through it then healing can begin but in a way too it's easier said than done what helps me more than anything is the fact that i
3: my reality knows the love of of what is divine inside my heart yeah. So that it gives you strength just to know that you're not thinking that you're breaking down, even when it looks feels so intense. It's it's um it's not like that. If you have that reality of who you are, and it's the building of that that has helped me a lot to go through and constantly come back to a joy.
2: Like you said, it, breaking through and not breaking down breaking through. And it seemed as though even when, you know, the fame and material wealth of Pink Floyd grew, you took this as an opportunity to go within. And it was wonderful learning about you and you realizing that you had a soul's purpose and a soul's mission to serve. When I was working as an elementary school teacher, I thought, okay, well, I'm serving. So why am I not happy? But I think service, I'm starting to really understand what that means. And to really embody that you can serve and be of service and have a soul's mission without like running yourself into the ground without running your body and spirit into the ground, because you're just giving everything that you have to other people. So I've, I'm happy and thank you so much for sharing this about yourself that we do have a soul's mission. And I just love talking about this. And I don't Feel like there we've done this a lot, and I haven't had a lot of opportunity to do this, and I'm just so thankful. So thank you, Ginger, for opening up your heart and your mind to us and everybody too.
3: Anytime, I mean, we're in a process together, and if you need me, call me. Okay,
2: okay, Lynx has got something.
1: So okay, I was curious. You talk about going on the road. You've traveled to places like Morocco, the West Indies. You mentioned France already. And then you had a spiritual awakening in Japan. I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit on your traveling experiences and if you have any places or memories that stand out as being like truly magical and special to you.
3: Well, we could be here for many days. <laughs> Let <laughs> me which one i love japan i was quite the novice at the time i remember we were i got my first nikon
2: um your what
3: my first nikon camera
2: oh okay i thought it was like uh okay got it yeah <laughs> i was like they what all- did you do that sounds <laughs> sexy <I know>. when,
3: <laughs> when you come when everyone goes to japan Everyone buys every kind of cameras. You you go camera mad. So I got to have one camera. So we were in a very special village and and one of several of the women, the wives and everyone that were girlfriends that were there, we were um, walking through the markets and the colors and their vegetables and everything. There was this man in black that had such peace. I didn't understand it. I just felt it and he was in this robe like thing and it turns out that he's a monk and i kept on following him and wanting to take pictures and i could i get that camera to work no yeah. and every time and he would stand and he'd look at me with this wonderful posture and he was so patient he'd let me go to take and it didn't work so he turned around and he was walking away not realizing that i had gotten the picture and to this day i never got a picture of him except it's inside my mind but the amazing Time in that village. I wish I could remember what it's called. I can't believe it. I forgot. Anyway, it was one of the uh, shogun's houses that the gardener that originally was was commissioned to, to lay the garden out sat in the garden throughout the whole year, watching all the seasons, watching the light coming and going, and it was just amazing. And on top of which, all. Oh, Lots of tour. we were in a, a line of tourists. As you walk through, the floorboards made a sound like nightingales. Wow. And they purposely did that so that if in the night that sound started to happen, they'd know that they had, they need to wear, defend themselves. Hmm. You know, some terrible person, a robber or something yeah, was coming smart. or something. I thought that was the most clever thing that anyone could have done. It was just amazing. And then every village that we went to on the tour, and then on the side, every restaurant in each village would specialize in something. One would just specialize in green tea and omabashi plum or tofu, and just, and they'd be amongst bamboos. You know, tall bamboo, and it was just such art in the little things, in everything, in their movement or whether. Last Samurai has to be my favorite movie. It's just so captures what they feel in in the beauty of what they capture and stuff. It's it's remarkable. Then there was this one garden, a special garden by a Rishi and um, it's all in my book, one of the chapters covers this, so that I went, you had to, normally you would have to get months ahead, send a letter and an application to be able to get into this garden. And, of course, being rock and roll like we were, the promoter got me and another, one of the other wives, the um, invitation Go there. So, the first thing you do is you go into this little Japanese wonderful house and um, you sit in front of a desk which has a bit of black Japanese ink and a, a quill pen and a bit of bamboo stick that you have to write a wish on there. Yeah. And at the end, you put it in a bowl as you leave, to go into the garden. But before that, you meditate. And there was a moment when the energy from outside was building of such a special quality. And then the Rishi arrived. And this man, goodness, his radiance was incredible. And so the whole environment gave us an opportunity to touch that place in us before you went into the garden and it was a moss garden and it was just the most incredible walk through this garden so that's that's some of the um a memory that i hold dear to me and one of the houses i did in my garden was to create a japanese garden so yeah
2: i love that and um yeah i loved reading that you know certain gardens can take a year to build because they want to watch how the light changes throughout the seasons and throughout the days and this kind of beauty in everything, like you said. Sounds so inspiring. I do have a hope and a dream to head to Japan. Actually, my uh, partner and I, we were thinking, hey, maybe small wedding, honeymoon in <laughs> Japan. Honeymoon in Japan.
3: Gosh, really? Gosh. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, speaking of a beautiful gardens and inspiring people, we were wondering if we could ask you about the bond that you formed with George and Olivia Harrison. Can you speak about your time at Friar Park and your special relationship with Olivia? Yeah. 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 Um,
3: we had moved to, into, um, a house called Hookhead Manor that was very near to Henley where they, um, have their wonderful house, Fire Park, and one of their wonderful houses, I have to say. And their garden was just incredible. And it, it the world's a very small place. The, one of our good friends, Perry Press, real estate person, who looks for houses for all of us, and he found us hookend. And we, uh, let's see, Terry Doran, one of um, the top roadies that lived with George and Olivia, had become one of our friends, and he came on holiday with us. And um, this is before Olivia really was on the scene at the time. George was single, early days with David. David gone to the Louvre in the airport on the way to um, Greece, and Terry comes up with a picture of me, which is in the book, in a, a bluebell garden tree, Buvo Forest, pardon me. And he had put a little orange tag there that said, well, I just met a girl. And he, Terry hands it to me while Dave wasn't around and said, George wants to take you out.
0: <laughs>
3: and I went, Wow. Well, that has been a teenage dream since the 60s, <laughs> I have to say. Since they were on Ed Sullivan, George was the one. And I I connived as a teenager, all kinds of crazy ideas, scenarios of how to get to meet him. And then suddenly, all these years later.
1: It's happening. <laughs>
3: there he is. He, and I, I said, Terry, that you have no, George has no idea what that means to me. But tell him, thank you so much, because I'm in love madly in love with David and very happy. <laughs> wow. So from that point onwards, we started, Terry would invite us over to Clark Park, especially when we got into having Hook and Manor. And um, so George by then was with Olivia and we became really special friends, um, you know, brothers in arms, so to speak, because they had a spiritual path and um, I, mine was building and there was of course rock and roll and they appreciated each other's music and we were neighbors.
2: Wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then I studied and worked and was a trustee for an uh, elder healer called Dilly Cornford in mental quality therapy and um, when George went through that terrible time of that robber coming in and trying to kill him and olivia stood up to him that was during the time we were in hook and and lily helped to um balance his psychology and we always worked in pairs so we worked together with her
1: wow Um, that really is a special
3: bond there yeah we had it very much so plus i i just so admire both of them so much for what they have done and their path you know it was it and george um and paul and linda they're all very special people
2: oh yeah we-, we think that olivia is incredible we've done an episode on her by reading things and cross-referencing different biographies and whatnot and mm-hmm. it's really incredible because this is what this podcast is about is learning about these women and women like you and really getting to know your story and sometimes we just read the books and sometimes like with you for example we read the book we did an episode and then we said one day we'll speak with her and here we are and the same thing actually happened with jenny boyd patty's sister we read her book and then we were able to speak with her and you're right it is um Kind of a small world when you think about it in that sense as well.
3: Well, there's some amazing women out there, standing, and 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 dealing with how to be an equal individual and yet work as a union with a with a person, man, your husband, things. Mm-hmm. And uh, since the '60s, I think there's quite a dynamic of women. I certainly, I mean, there are a lot of rock and roll. Women that aren't allowed to come on tour, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and it's and therefore how do they find their own self within it? But I think um, womanhood, the feminine, is um, really com- needs to come and be balanced because the masculine principle—not necessarily the man, but the masculine principle—has come into such dominance that um, the only w- for me, there's a triangle of what is harmony, and that's the masculine principle, the feminine principle, and the sacred, the divine principle, your soul. And that's what creates harmony, when they're all in balance. Now, on a collective level, the feminine principle needs to emerge in balance with the masculine and both integrating the divine onto planet Earth. That's where caring, loving goodness, wisdom, true wisdom, comes. And they work together, all three. And it's uh, there's a lovely book you might want to read called The Return of the Feminine the World Soul by Noelle and Von Lee. And there's a chapter in there that talks about how, yes, the feminine needs to come to the forerun, but there's a caution on it for women because – of archetypically the feminine principle has been injured so much that there is such a deep hurt, a deep anger, a deep feeling of betrayal. And we also carry this incredible creative energy in our womb that when you start to awaken to the need of the feminine, the balance of the feminine, you have to have worked through all of that other stuff Otherwise, you will empower the, with the creative force the negative side of things, and you'll be your masculine will rise as a negative masculine, as and instead of one that supports the feminine, which is actually the bridge to the higher spiritual part of life. So, the great thing about the masculine principle, its purpose, is to reveal heaven on earth, to create structures, to create pathways, to create thought forms that is linked through the feminine intuitive side of things onto the planet. Our forms that are being created are not leading us to the highest of what our possibilities and potential is. And that's why I'm trying to create different imagery, spatial dynamics. I dream of creating a house, a ginger arc house, that would, when you're in it, it's just peace. I did have Bilsham Farmhouse where I started the experiment, where I created different forms on the wall, like a relief, but was fascinating with the way that I do things. It captures light in a different way, so it's not a defined form here it is like this all day all night Hmm. it floats it it has spaces and curves if there's a bit in the book about that aspect and so that the light the shadows all change so that you're touching that place in you all day and all night It, Hmm. it it works that's all i can say
1: well i'm excited to read that book that sounds Amazing. And speaking of you as an artist, I'm curious, how did that journey begin for you? When did you start creating and how did that come about? And what's what's been your process and what inspires you?
3: I was always this incredible artist. My mother says that when I was in first grade, the teacher called her in and said, Virginia, um, my name was Virginia, too. Virginia, um, she's always copying everything.
2: Hmm.
3: My mother said, no, she isn't copying everything. They had put me in the corner because they said I was lying. But I wasn't copying. Okay. And the thing about American schools at the time, going up to high school and whatever, it's um, the art department was put in the back yeah. of the school. Yep. And the three R's was of great value. And I was... Um, Top A student in every subject. So my mind was very developed as well, and the art was in the back of the, the school. So I took to helping all the prom sets, um, painting it in my mother's bathroom, Japanese golden art, and painting the, the basement and things. But I wanted to be an actress, I wanted to be a model, all the um, Glamour stuff was in my foreground. I was very good at all kinds of things creatively, but that is what I wanted to do at the time until I met David. Eventually, I started to do little sculptures and stuff while he was working on an album when we lived in Royden. And eventually and I did Chris birthday cakes and Christmas cakes. I was really good at making all kinds of decorative things like Jane Asher did. Yeah. We're all—creativity is so important for everybody to do in whatever way possible because it opens that doorway to who you are in your true nature. But one day, I was seeing Irina Tweedy, the Irene, the Sufi teacher that, again, that's mentioned in the book. And she sent me to Cecil Collins, who taught life drawing and also clear perception in the ILEA, which is the Inner London Educational Authority— um free classes she said you have to go see him and uh because i showed her a book that i was working on drawings and things and she said you have to go see cecil and between him and me there won't be much less left of you but rice paper and not his little smarty pants and mm. and said um well at least it's edible <laughs> and so i went and i didn't get in and but she sent um somebody to Cecil and said I really want this person in your class so I started with him and it, it opened up a higher purpose of something not only in art but in oneself that's what creativity can do at least the type of creativity he taught and that's what I and it's not a teaching it's a drawing out it's, um, and that's what I'll be doing classes quite soon here i um, ready to um, touch people in that way so they can find who they are. Everybody Let, needs to do that.
2: Let's talk about that. Um, can you tell us about your creativity classes? What can people expect and who is it for? When does it begin? Tell us everything that you would like to about that.
3: <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> it's all- <laughs> Well, I just it's got to be the minimum of six weeks, one afternoon a week. I am doing two afternoons a week if you really want to get on it straight on. It's on my Ginger Gilmore page. Um I just put it up today, the times and things. And it and and or there'll be a Saturday that's all day that will have other different aspects and it's not so much we're going to st- paint still lifes. We're going to learn how to do shading and stuff. It's not like that. It's to do with how to let go and allow the highest to come to you. Because when I'm working, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, it comes to me. I want the image that's there is in God's plan of what is going to serve people when they look at it, take them to that place. So what happens within the class is really hard to describe. It's, it's um, again, there's a chapter in my book about it, but you'll have, like, initially you have to learn about how to commune with your instruments, how to... If you take me, I was so good at architectural drawing without any training. And when in Cecil's classes, we had a um, model, and I could just whiz up these tiny little drawings and stuff, no problem. And Cecil really worked at me to get me to break that ability Mm. to be able to just to where after the blog finally came, after that, I was more clear to be a vessel so that I could tune into that other place for when I am creating. Because up to then, it was more of an architectural design ability, which is great. I mean, Cecil said, a great piece of art is a mastery of technique, but a masterpiece is a gift from God.
2: Wow,
3: and the gift from God, the artwork that I see and do create, it creates a sanctuary for the spirit. You take one home, and it vibrates on a spiritual level. It's a doorway there that opens you to that doorway, um, so that it that's where healing happens, peace, joy, even if you're in the middle of the war. Dr. Vernon Engel said the thing that saved him in the middle of World War II was a flower. Yeah, And we can do that. We are something special inside. It's just a matter of taking the steps to open that doorway. And it's not just belief. It's not fantasy. It's really true.
2: I I love it. It's almost, I've just been finding sometimes the, simplest truths have been hitting so close to home, like, wait, why didn't I figure this out sooner? Really, just finding joy and peace and healing in our own lives, even when the outside world can seem to be falling apart and in, su- in such a place of i guess madness and um fear, it is still possible at this time to find the light and to find the beauty and to find peace in oneself. And it would be wonderful. I would love to take a class like that to see how that could be communicated through art. That's certainly something that I've never tried before. So I would really urge and encourage others to, you know, to, to take part in this amazing opportunity. That's great that you're offering it, Ginger.
3: There's only room in each class for five people every six weeks so there'll be a waiting list but um i'm trying with my techno wizards to see if i can experiment with doing an online course right on
1: that would be amazing
3: people can come for a weekend retreat stay in my house eat good food yoga do this course over a few days and um therefore you can fly in if one wanted to do that but that is a whole nother process that's
2: possible. Well, now I know what I'm doing for my bachelorette party. <laughs> we're, we're going to Ginger's. <laughs> yes, I'd love you to come. Yeah, sure. I plan on doing some traveling uh, in this next coming uh, year and a bit. So, And I hope to find myself in the UK again because I love visiting England and I've got some really good friends there. So, Well, I'm here. Wonderful. We just have a few uh, more things left to ask you and then we'll leave it open to you to finish off with anything else we might not have touched on or any last words. But one thing that really struck me was uh, a while back, you had posted a photo of a very large angel and you captioned it with, for me, creating images and forms of beauty has become my path that opens the doorway to the God within, to touch the light within, to know the angels. I was wondering, do you communicate with spirit guides or do you feel like you have a certain kind of angels around you? And how would you recommend that other people tap into that part of themselves, their spirits and their angels?
3: The first thing is I know that they're there. Second of all, it's, it's, there are all kinds of ways of doing it. You have to listen to your soul more than anything and start with wanting to open to um, the divine in in yourself and think beautiful thoughts and not that you can't get angry and things like that. It's, It's more to do with what is your deepest motivation for what you want to do in your life. They're there waiting. They can't interfere. They can't force you to do anything you have to open and i mean lily who was 85 when i was with her and she said oh you girls you get to see all those angels i i haven't got to see one but i know they're there hmm. and it so it isn't that they might be there it's that the, and they they aren't necessarily an angel so to speak it's it's a quality of specialness about being human that that you integrate and there are many paths there it's just wanting to go on the path and say to the beings to god whatever you feel is represents the divine in you you have to say yes and there'll be questions that appear things that books that will show up people that will show up you and then you learn to respond
2: isn't that the truth Mm.
3: but at least you know that there's some something special in life it's it's knowing that and it it'll start dropping hints to you little voices will come it might even come from someone you don't even know will suddenly say something or something will just happen and once you start seeing that that magic is there guiding you towards refining and truly being the wonderful person that you were born to be, you start saying, huh, okay. It's really true. It's not a figment of someone's imagination.
1: Yeah. It's just about being open, keeping yeah. yourself open to everything. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us or our listeners?
3: Find who you were born to be.
1: Amazing. Well, well, Tell our listeners where they can check you out on social media, on your website. Where can we find you? I have a YouTube channel you can
3: sign into. I'm on Ginger Gilmore, and there's uh, Facebook. And then there's Memoirs of the Bright Side of the Moon on Facebook. That's more of a public page. There's Ginger Art, Ginger Gilmore, Ginger Art on Facebook as well. I do some Instagram. There's just... I could spend all day on this social media thing and I'd never get around to painting. (laughs) So it's, it's a balance. Some weeks I'm like, wow, posting every day. The the main thing about Ginger Gilmore Facebook page is that I know the power of many and that there's so much other stuff that um, breaks people that I'm using it as an experiment for all of us to, post something wise, something maybe truthful and hard to look at, but with a solution of a, something beautiful. It's like everyone was posting fire in Australia, terrible, terrible pictures. And it was terrible experience. And I just I thought, okay, God, give me a hint as to what I can do on this page. Because it was so hard for people not to fall into that. They were like shouting out for how do I deal with this? And I just put up a simple post. Whenever you see an image of fire in Australia, visualize rain. Yeah. And then a few days went by and they were happy with that. And loads of people of all kinds of organizations were visualizing rain, which is great. Yeah, I was. Good girl. girl. And then on the, the next post was, visualize lots of rain <laughs> and now they've got so much rain i think we have to slow up our visualization
1: yeah let's think of the sun for a while
3: i know well <laughs> yes think of trees growing or something oh that's a good one yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well there's lots of organizations that are now going out and planting trees may, mega trees so it's it's um
2: yeah We'll be sure to link all of those things up. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed speaking with us. and
1: love it. Yeah, this was so inspiring. Like, Thank you so much, Ginger.
3: Let's do it again.
2: Yes. In the 126 episodes that we're coming towards, you know, there's not been one quite like this before. Thank you, Ginger.
3: I love this time together, so let's do it some more. Another
2: time music yes, to my is. ears, whether we do it online again or when we make our way to come and visit an in-person meeting would that, be great as well. We'll do both. We'll do and, both. <laughs> and, and if you've
3: got my email, if mm-hmm. you have something in your personal journey that you want to ask me about, write to me and my website is gingerart.net. Yeah. Yeah perfect so i love this thank you so much you've made my afternoon
2: oh thank you you've made our day our week yeah our month <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah okay Thanks sweethearts
2: so much from our heart to yours yeah and yep. we'll talk real soon
3: yes love you
2: love, love you. you okay bye, bye. bye.
0: stranger, I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery, following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Rudolf Burntwein have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.